each of us needs to be able to play in the place that fits. So let's look forward to the things yeah. that we can put on our bucket list that we can continue to do. It's like you're not trying to fit into a hashtag. We find those places in our lives that allow us to be seen for who we are. So for me, my wayfinder word is love. Nougaty goodnesses. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Laura. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Kim. This is Nikki. And I'm Louise. Hi, and welcome to the Best Parts Podcast, where we invite you to pull up a chair and think about your best parts, which are all your parts. Please be aware that today's episode may contain some adult language and will most likely include adult content. So please keep that in mind if little ones are nearby. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of The Best Parts. This is Nikki, and today we're talking to Paula Jenkins, founder of Jumpstart Your Joy. She is a wife, mom, dog lover, and a student of joy. Her mission is to bring more joy into the world through coaching, podcasting, and helping others create their own podcasts to share their voice. She also has a five-day plan your podcast challenge that we all here at the Best Parts did to get a handle on what the heck we were going to do with this podcast that we were talking about, and we are so grateful to her for that. She also told us that she's ready to be loud and chatty with us today. So without further ado, thank you so much for pulling up a chair and joining us, Paula. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's a treat. Yes. So we're going to start with my favorite part of the episode when we jump into the Wayback Machine to hear some of your journey to where you are now. You were working in advertising for over 20 years, managing big digital marketing projects, and you recognized it wasn't serving you anymore. There were things you enjoyed in that world, but also some pretty big deal breakers. And during that time, you were doing some stuff on the weekends that was more your jam and hit a point where having that stuff be just on the side wasn't cutting it anymore. And I love this because you said you wanted more woo, more alignment, more time for yourself, and more focus on what would ultimately change the world, joy. Can you talk more about that? Because just reading that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to know more. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thank you for for diving in with all that too. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, we all have a common background too of a life coach training program, program, which is CLCC. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, if we go back in the Wayback Machine, I had been a digital project manager, like you said, I had my son. And in 2015, stuff that I was doing during the day was all this advertising work about why you need more credit or why you need a cleaner house or how to keep your car tidy. And you can guess the brands if you want. But but then on the weekends, I was doing retreat leadership because my background educationally is in religion and religious studies. And I was doing these really amazing retreats at a, a local retreat center. But then I'd go in and brainwash myself and try and felt like brainwash other people to do all the things that I was telling them they shouldn't do on the weekend all week long. And I was like, this isn't it. So I worked with a coach myself. That was Michelle Ward, the When I Grow Up coach. And I didn't know what the thing was. But then, I mean, this sounds kind of funny, but I literally read Kate's website and I was like, that's it. Like I <laughs> I hadn't followed her. I knew nothing about her. I was like, that's where I'm going. So I, I joined up and got certified and I had been working on a podcast because I really loved them and had loved them for years. And so mine just became about joy. And we could talk more about why later. And then it, it I put it out into the world and it, it hit pretty big. Like it got a new and noteworthy. It, it got a ton of downloads. And I was really lucky up front to get some great 
guests and I had a lot of fun with it. And then people started saying, how'd you do that? <laughs> and can you help me? And so that was the thing. It really was this really great marriage. I was following my heart. I was doing the thing that lights me up, just like we all say we should do to find our passion and our purpose. And then the thing presented itself, which I don't think I would have seen from the outset. I couldn't have known where it was going. I just kept saying, yes, there's more woo. There's more alignment. There's more <laughs> all of that. And I've been on my own as both a podcast producer since January of 2019. And then I also still do coaching. I like to have a couple clients. I've found that that's where I feel I can serve somebody really well. And it, it doesn't wear me out at all. I feel like I can be whole and present for a couple people. And, and that's, that's enough. And that's amazing for me. And I, I'm really lucky to have some great coaching clients that I, I love very much. You mentioned joy. And my question, of course, is so why joy? How did that become a focus for you? Yeah, I was the kid when at like age six, if you ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> I would say happy. <laughs> That's so awesome. awesome. Yeah. And I'm and you know, and then the adults in the room would look around. She's she's not doing that right. Like <laughs> you know, like I mean, my mm -hmm. parents never did, but other adults would be like, maybe a dentist? Like what what do you want to be? Like, that's not the thing. So I'm naturally wired to be pretty bubbly and happy anyway. But yeah, I don't know joy exactly. I mean, the backstory on that one is more around. Um, so my son is 10. He was born in 2010. And that was a very traumatic birth experience for me. I don't I haven't asked him what he thought, but it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was 56 hours of labor and then a C-section. And I came on the other side of that. I got diagnosed with PTSD. And in that, I realized that that happy six-year-old version of myself was somehow not there. I don't have the words or the language probably for it, but I knew I couldn't access some of those pieces of myself that had been so natural and simple and just like part of me before, before the, the event. So I went and had therapy and, and it really, in hindsight, felt joy or spirit or happiness. It was coming for me. Like, it was like, <laughs> hey, you remember me? Like, and I wanted back to it. So that was where the word joy started kind of playing around with me and dancing with me. And I often call it amused because it's one of those things. Joy is often fleeting, but I think we can aim for it. And I call it a wayfinding emotion sometimes on my own show, but that we can aim for it. And it's kind of like the saying, when you shoot for the moon, you land among the stars or whatever. It's like <laughs> that, like, you know, shoot for joy and you land in happiness or contentment. But and sometimes you'll hit the joy piece of it. And so I felt like it was calling to me and I needed to go find it again. And I sometimes when I teach my class, I talk about for your show, find the nugget. And for me, it was that moment, knowing that there's probably other people out there that are in the same moment that I was at, where I was like, I want so much to get back to the joyful person that I was that I'm going to fight. And I'm going to fight really hard and I'm going to do what it takes. But there's a cornerstone quote that goes with my show, which is joy is a choice and we must keep choosing it. And it's this is an emotion we can choose and that we can go towards and that it can be a guidepost for us even when we're like, oh my gosh, what is going on here? Well, and I love that wayfinding emotion. So even if you can't hit joy, maybe you can just feel a little better when you're <laughs> totally. in those hard places. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Instead of being at a minus one, you're at maybe a plus one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how do you choose joy? How do you create space for joy if everything feels hard and gross, especially looking at the time and space that a lot of us are in right now? Yeah. How do you, how do you do it? 
Yeah. Especially in 2020, 2020 has been really hard and there's times you really want to choose joy, but then you just feel like you got punched in the face by something else. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I feel it for sure too. And I think it's interesting because sometimes uh, just as kind of a footnote, sometimes when people are like, Oh, joy, like (laughs) that's Pollyanna or whatever it is. And it's like, no, this is probably one of the hardest things you ever do is to choose joy. It's not easy. And I think there's also that societal norm that anytime we show something that's of an extreme, whether that be grief or joy or, or even anger, people get really uncomfortable when we show the extreme. So there's that piece too. I think we're always at a little bit of a, a deficit when, we, when we're really going for joy. And it's even harder right now because it really has felt like around each corner, there's a new awful thing. And so many, I mean, they're all totally valid, awful things. I feel like in my head, I've had this little bit of a mantra of like 2020 is trying so hard of like taking every good and wonderful thing we have. And my take on finding joy there is one, it's totally okay before you even can get to joy to admit this is hard and this sucks. We have to acknowledge first that it's hard and then also acknowledge that we want something else. And the other and in here is that you can hold space for awful and yucky and miserable and crying and wanting joy. Like it's not an either or. And sometimes that fact also gets missed. I think maybe because we have such a cancel culture going on where it's like it's either this or that. But but we can hold two emotions at the same time. And then the answer of how do you find joy right now? One of the ways I like to suggest and that usually works for me is thinking about what brought you joy as a child. Now, that could also sound a little Pollyannish, but generally, and, and here's the interesting thing, is that of the, I don't know, 250 interviewers or whatever, I always ask that question, what brought you joy as a child? And there's the top five answers on the board, family feud style, are <laughs> uh, walks in nature, <laughs> pets, friends, creativity. So that could be reading or making things and then talks with family or friends. Now, I got to say that almost all of those are available to us in some way right now. So if those aren't your five, that's fine. But you could think about what were your earliest sparks of joy? And there is probably some sort of current version that you could do right now that would let you get in touch with that. Even if it feels a little cheesy or whatever, give it a try. See what happens. Just leave, you know, leave yourself open for that possibility of what happens when I just go maybe read one of my favorite books from childhood or get on a call with another family or friend or whatever and make room for the joy and then just see what happens. I think it's so interesting because there's also that component. So for me, my wayfinder word is love. Hmm. Um, And I know that there are those times where I almost feel guilty or I actually do feel guilty leaning into love. Yeah. And so I'd love to hear if there is any part of it where that guilt monster comes out (laughs) when you're starting to lean into the joy and it's like, but world is falling apart around me. Can I really allow myself to feel that right now? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think that oftentimes there's guilt that creeps in. And that's probably why that the quote that I love so much is so important is that it's, it is a choice. And maybe part of that answer is if there's something else that needs to happen, it's okay to also say, okay, Joy, you got to take a break. Like this is not a time or moment for me to be exuding joy. And, and so maybe it's a question of how do, what is joy or, 
what side of joy maybe do I want to have in this moment? So if you're doing something really sad, maybe the, the angle of joy at that moment is comfort or comforting yourself or comforting somewhere else, someone else. Maybe it's how do I make this smoother for myself? And I don't mean that in the numb out way. I just mean like, how do I make this time or this place or this situation easier for myself? Or how do I set the next building block for joy for the future? And some of that just then leans into self-care for sure, right? If there's something really hard and, and one of the you know, things that has come up in this year has hit you really hard, maybe you just need to leave some space for exploring what, what it does feel like if it's not joy. Or if there's some action, because that's the other thing that I like to talk about on my show is there's inspiration, intention, and action in joy. So we're inspired when we see the story of someone who's done something amazing and, and we want to do more of that. Maybe it's got joy involved. But then the intention, you got to set the intention of I'm going to look for joy or I'm going to find ways to spread joy. And then you have to take the action because I think that's the piece that is missing for so many people. So back to your question is, I think there's a lot of action pieces we could take as well. Basically, I know some of the things that I struggle with with joy are, what do I do when my joy is possible only when other people's joy isn't possible? Like that's a really hard, just really hard question. How can I make the equality better? And there's action involved with that. Same thing with looking at the political scenario. I don't want to get political, but if there's something happening and you want to take an, a step to make it, to head more in the direction that you think things should go, maybe you can back someone either monetarily or by doing some sort of calling or sending postcards or whatever the thing is so that you are building the joy. And that's what I mean by the building blocks of joy. It might not be totally joyful right now, but you're building towards it building it and kind of supporting it too, like mm -hmm. you're supporting your joyful places as to what mm -hmm. fills you up, but also wanting to grow that outside of you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That, that probably ties back to your, to the, you know, your podcast is like, what are the best parts and identifying those best parts and figuring out how can I further those best parts and the ones that bring joy and feed them instead of feeding the parts that are not the best parts. <laughs> Well, when yeah. we say all the parts are the best parts, yeah, <laughs> even the hard ones, even like the crunchy places. Oh yeah, I there agree. are like nougaty goodnesses there. <laughs> yes, I agree totally. Nougaty goodnesses, that's amazing. <laughs> the exercise, Paula, that you mentioned about looking back on childhood. I'm running an, mm -hmm. a group on Facebook right now for those of us that suffer from seasonal affective disorder, and one of the people in the group talked about a list that she keeps and focuses on every morning because meditation wasn't really something that's ever worked for her. And it, that's what it reminded me of when you said that, because one of the things she does is she looks, she's kept a list of things in the past that have made her happy going mm -hmm. all the way back to childhood, things that yep. really lit her up as a child, her wedding day and coming forward and just kept a list of the things that have brought her joy throughout her life. And then what she did, which I thought was really cool is she also looks forward to look past this place we're in yes. to what can she do? And I had, that had occurred to me. I've got a cousin that she and I travel together and she was saying, I guess we're not going to travel again. I was like, someday we can travel. So let's put together that list of where we'd like to go. And it was really cool because she sent me a postcard in the mail and snail mail that had five places that we can go when we can actually safely travel again. So both of those things I thought were really kind of cool is let's look back at the things that have brought us happiness and then also let's look forward to the things yeah. that we can put on our bucket list that we can continue to do when we're past this really tough place that we're in right now. I like that so much. And one of the things that I've, I noticed, especially in March, was when everything shut down was the, the horizon 
snapped so close. Like we felt, I think we still don't know exactly what's on the horizon. There's lots of reasons for that. But I love that idea of what is the things that we can do once this opens back up in whatever way that is, because it gets you past that feeling of everything's shut down and I don't know what to expect. Yeah, I'm actually on vacation, staycation this week. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I found have found to be really helpful is to write a list of what can I do. Yeah. And truthfully, I mean, does it change a lot from any other day? Like I can sit on my terrace and have coffee. I can go kayaking. I can read a novel. But something about having it on a list and making intentional choices mm-hmm. about how I'm going to spend my time has been really helpful. So I guess I'm more of a list girl than I thought, but I I just find (laughs) that idea of putting together what can't and what can I do now, right? There are things that I can't do. Like I can't, my sister will not be able to travel home for Christmas and that's going to be really tough. Okay. Then how do I look at that? How do we plan for that? Do we have Christmas dinner, which since that's what we celebrate with each other on FaceTime? I mean, what can we do to try to make the best of the situation that we're in? Yeah, I like that because it does put things back. It feels like there's a little more control when you can exercise your choices instead of it being, here's all the stuff we can't do. I know I also loved the nugget of advice that kind of back in April, (laughs) there were a lot of astronauts giving suggestions on like, (laughs) you know, isolation and how can you make the most. And one of them said, because I'm not a real big silver linings person right this second, because it's so hard to see a silver lining when you're in the middle of something, when you're like, I think I need to process it. But one of her suggestions for reframing it was, what are the things that are possible right now that maybe won't be possible at any other time? And her example, of course, was like looking out the window and seeing the earth. She's not going to have that point of view. Well, maybe it is. How can you see the joy of having the whole family at home? what could you do to make it more joyful kind of to your question, Laura? So I I think that's, it is a nice reframe of instead of can't what's possible. What can we do? It feels really actionable too, which I like. It's like when the doctor tells you you can't have gluten, then all you start thinking about (laughs) of all the things you can't eat, right? Garlic toast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you switch it to this is what I can eat. It takes time when something big is taken away, if you will. I'm doing air quotes like you can see me. Yeah, just focusing on the the can. I like that. Yeah. I'm also celiac. So I am, anytime I travel on the search for where's the best cupcake, gluten-free cupcake, (laughs) I'm looking for you. So yeah, I get it. And that opens up really interesting opportunities as well. I mean, just focusing on the, okay, is this part of the thing that I do? Yes, it is. So, and then that kind of becomes fun because I've been to a lot of cupcake shops. (laughs) What a fun thing to like make your mission. I'm going to find a great cupcake. Yeah. yeah. Back in the day, you had to really, I'm a gluten intolerant. And yeah, that became a mission anytime I traveled somewhere, uh, which was where can I find a good gluten free meal? And so it became like a scavenger hunt a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I would also make my mom go back. There was a place in New Orleans. I think it might be Miriam's or something close to that name. And I had the best gluten-free dinner ever there. And I was like, mom, we have to go back. She's like, can we try a new place? I'm like, you have no idea. Like, so yeah, so that was your staring at the earth, right? We need to go back because I'm here now. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. So something else that you talk about is letting go of the hustle of the playing big and doing what feels right, right now and playing smaller. This speaks to me personally because I'm not a hustle, hustle, hustle person. It's not the reason I started my business, but it is such a cultural thing right now, the hashtag hustle. And so can we talk more about 
what it means to be playing small because some of my other women on here had a lot to say about their thoughts on it and cannot wait to hear what you think about that. It was me. It was a lot of us. It was a lot of us. We were very confused by this. I I feel like I get it. So I'm like, yep, I'm with her on this page. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I'm going to first preface it with I am four foot 10. And so even physically, the idea of playing big always seemed like, what the hell? Like, we're going (laughs) to... We're going to get sizest about this. So love that. You know, like, love that. Know, like, how is bigger better? And like, why are we all just embracing this idea that a size of anybody, size, appearance, shape, whatever, like, how is that a defining principle of the person? So I think sitting with that idea it sounds a little silly, but it is a truth. I've often faced things where somehow size matters. And I really don't think that it does. And so real briefly on playing small, what it isn't, it isn't an invitation to numb out or hide or I don't know, find ways to be uncourageous, I guess. (laughs) Like (laughs) it's not an invitation to do any of that. I think there's times for self-care reasons that it's wise to take a step back and watch a bad movie or whatever. But that's not the, the intent of playing small is really to let go of the push and putting ourselves out there in a way that we think that other people are doing and trying to either, I don't think that most of us mimic it, but that we see it's a comparison thing. And so maybe it also ties back to comparison is the thief of joy that when we see other people who are in an industry similar to ours, and that doesn't just have to do with coaching. I think it's rampant in many online business spaces that somehow bigger is better. Followers matter that downloads matter. And I'm saying this in a way that it's above all else. And I think that notion of playing big and putting yourself out there in spaces that feel uncomfortable because you are following um, the shoulds, that's where I think the playing big part is a problem. Now, I know there's a very popular book called that. And I think that the author does actually lean into the idea that you can define big on however you want. I don't know that she actually breaks down. What's the point of the hustle? Because for me in the past, It hasn't been the hustle. This is interesting. I'm unpacking it currently right now. But like, it hasn't been been the hustle that made the difference. For me, my business is literally all about deep connections. And you have to play small and listen to your heart and tap into your intuition. And you have to tap into the things that matter. And you have to create a deep connection to have them. And if I'm out there chasing a number or out there worried about all my Instagram posts, I'm probably not allowing myself the time to tap into the other things which are at the heart of playing small. And so that that's that's kind of what I mean. And I'm totally happy to have a very energetic conversation. About. <laughs> well, it's kind um, of those in, invisible shoulds, right? The things you don't totally. recognize that you're yes. you're shooting on yourself with. But I had yes. this conversation with Kim not too long ago, and I was like, there were so many invisible shoulds that yep. I had on my list. Yeah, oh, because yeah. I think unfortunately, and I don't like the total. Uh, sorry, the title of guru, but there's so many gurus out there. Air quotes that are telling us to have an online business, you should do these things. I'm also, I I, I know our mentor does call part of her program a blueprint. I am not for blueprints. I think a blueprint fits one person and yes, you could tweak it and make it work for yourself. So it's an interesting show to say that on, but I I don't (laughs) have a blueprint just because what works for one person is not necessarily gonna work for another. And if, I mean, truly, so where my client list comes from right now 
everybody that I have on my roster is from my podcast. So here's and here's the shift. Here's the pivot, folks. They were guests. They were guests first. <laughs> mm -hmm. They loved the podcasting experience so much. They wanted one of their own. Mm -hmm. And then they said, can you help me? Now, I would never have assumed that that was the air quotes. It's not a funnel, right? But like, <laughs> if you told me to go out and do a funnel where there's a, a trip wire with a low purchase amount, and then you got to up upsell into the next <laughs> level, and then you got to oh get gosh. them into your program. Like, yeah, no, that model I mean, one, I'm also kind of an introvert. I know I don't sound like it, but I am, I'm an INFJ. Which, yeah, <laughs> a lot of coaches are. That, the, here's the other angle on this thing is that playing small is honoring that because, and Laura Lee of Quietly Bohemian, she woke this up in me, but she was like, society expects and uplifts the extrovert qualities mm -hmm. and it makes it so hard. And I think that's what a lot of that playing big stuff is. It's a similar thing of be out there, be on display, put yourself, you know, as many people as you can get. And I don't think that works for everybody. It's a numbers game for sure. But I think that the, the honoring my heart and having relationships with people is a lot more important. And that's, that's what's built a business for me. I can totally get on board with everything you just said. I will. And I, and I am because I very much subscribe to the do less so you can do more in the world philosophy. But I also, I will say that when we were talking about this concept of playing small, it triggered in me the sense of being small and being five to myself. It like, it made me feel diminutive in my life. Mm -hmm. And so that was what tri got triggered when we first started talking about it. I was like, damn it. I don't want to be unseen anymore. Not that yeah. I need everybody to see me, but I want some people to see me so that I can be of help and of service. Yes. And I do too. I think the thing is, is I got tired of the labels and, and, and again, this is another one I'm kind of like unpacking real time here, but like the idea of cute stop, like, yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. yes. Thank you. I don't know if anybody else that's yep. kind of like you're saying diminutive, but cute doesn't tell me anything about my qualities. You all you've noticed is that I'm shorter than other people. And that, <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming that's why people say cute. Yep. I mean, the other one that always drove me nuts and it's interesting how like the physical goes into then the mental and emotional is that I. I often felt like people would not take me seriously or understand that I'm an intelligent human based on size because they equated that somehow with me being either young or childish or, or so, there was something in there's something in there. And I want to be seen for me and playing small means I am means I'm just out there doing my thing. I'm being myself. It doesn't mean I'm not being loud because clearly I, I can be <laughs> But like it just means I'm sinking into the pieces that feel like me instead of the pieces that feel like they'd be great attributes for somebody else. So I don't know if that helps. Totally. For me anyway. Yeah. It's like you're not trying to fit into a hashtag. Uh, yeah. No. I am curious because on the, what I thought I heard was that you like the idea of playing small versus playing large. And yet at the same time, there are parts of you that don't like to be referred to as small as it relates to your outside physicality. Okay. Yes. Yes. I don't, yes, I mean, I, I don't mind if somebody observes that I am small, I guess. Let me try and unpack that nuance. I felt, especially as a younger person that I got dismissed based on appearance and labeled as certain things that didn't really speak to anything that was at the heart of me. So 
sure you can notice that I'm small, but I, I feel like that should be the strength instead of it being labeled as cute. I mean, sure, if I'm cute, well, that's like I'll play into that. But I felt like it was it was an aspect of not being seen as an individual, but it was an aspect of I can label you because I see something physical about you, which I think is so much of what's at the heart of what people are uprising about at many levels right now. I need to be seen as me. I'm small and I'm also whatever else, but I don't want to be dismissed as a single attribute that is just an outward thing that everyone could see. And and I and I mean, cute just felt that way. Like, aren't you cute? And and being treated as if I was the physical appearance instead of the human inside the body. So it's interesting that it's almost sounds like you've learned to embrace the word small after it caused you some grief and pain and feeling like you weren't seen for you. Yeah. I mean, and there's probably a, a little thing there too. I always liked being, I mean, I honestly, okay. I still do a double take when I look at myself with other people in a mirror. Like I'm like, Ooh, I don't remember that I'm that short until I see myself. And so, <laughs> and I don't know if that's true for everybody. It's, of their it's, own it's size. true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could say maybe I need to go talk to someone about that, but <laughs> like, but I think the thing is, is I don't identify myself necessarily as a size. I identify myself as my ideas and what I'm passionate about and what I want to do here. And so when somebody's like, oh, you're short and like, can we come up with anything else? Like that's, that's the superficial, like you're not getting past what you see to understand who is below it or who's within it. Oh, I feel like we had talked about having a show about body dysmorphia. Paula probably doesn't mm. know my story, um, <laughs> but I used to weigh 300 pounds and oh, I don't yeah. weigh that anymore. And I'm just, I guess what I'm asking myself internally is could I somehow embrace and turn around and be okay with all of the, the pain and shame that that caused me in my life, given that now I'm not that, I don't know, I guess it hadn't really dawned on me that, I mean, I'm five, four, so that, or five, yeah. five. And so that doesn't put me in the bounds of somebody looks at me and goes, oh my God, you're tiny. But what it's also bringing up for me is that people have no business here. I've got a part that's going to get on a soapbox. People have no business speaking to anybody's physical attributes. Yes. Yes. I agree wholeheartedly. There are for some reason, a couple of attributes that people still feel like it's okay to comment on. Right. And I think that height is one. Somehow it's okay to, and it's usually in a judgmental tone. Oh, you're so short. Yeah, mm, I can't do anything about that. You know, this is we can talk pundit squares or whatever that is. But I don't know, like, I'm just four foot 10. I didn't ask for it. I don't care about it, really. But it seems to be of interest to other people. And I think and I think body size and body shape are another one that's it's somehow okay to comment on and and I, yeah, it's but it's not okay. Like it's none of anybody else's business to say anything. And why is there any judgment around it? I think it's the other piece. Why? I don't I don't understand the judgment of my size about anything else about me. I really love this conversation because we started off talking about how we want to show up in the world. How do we intentionally make choices, moving us towards joy, moving us towards those things that are important? And how do we really step into who we are and be seen in a way that really resonates with us? That doesn't mean as we build our business, we're standing on the mountaintop with a megaphone shouting like we're told that's what we should be doing. We find our own way. We find those places 
in our lives that allow us to be seen for who we are. And that's how we settle into ourselves. Then we started talking about how are we viewed by the rest of the world? We have this own struggle for ourselves and how we need to figure out how we want to be seen and how we show up. And then it's piled on top of all of that with everything else that goes on in the world. It's really interesting. And I love Paula too, is that when you set out to be very intentional about bringing more joy into your life, it is an action. It's something that we need to intentionally do. And I think that was one of the things when we started this podcast too, after taking your podcast challenge, (laughs) is to find that thing that we wanted to bring more of into the world. And we landed on connection and how to bring that. And part of our mission too, was to have fun when we're doing it. So when stuff is going on, we're like, are we still having fun here? (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's really lovely that the best parts, it really like, that's the little nugget too, of how do we love all of the parts and how do we love ourselves so thoroughly and inside and out? I feel like a a takeaway for me is like, and how can that reflect in everything that we do and how we approach other people when we meet them? Because it really makes me mad when somebody, or not mad, it's like a hurt. It's like, how are we, why are we approaching other humans based on their appearance? Like, what is, that's, what is that? I don't know. What the hell? What is, like, what is going on there? This is ridiculous. And I have to say, I think I get it now. So Paula, I'm almost 5'10". And, so, yeah. and I am an extrovert to beyond. And I am like, wait, what? Play. I know that's hard to imagine. <laughs> Never um, would have known. But I've always been like, let's be all in. Let's do this. I definitely think when you're talking about playing smaller, a lot of it is the individual connections. And I think I was imagining being between the playing big and playing small. And that's a space that fits for me. If I feel like I'm living my Mm -hmm. best life, I'm somewhere between those two things. So yeah, um, I get it now. So thank you. Of course. Well, and I think that's part of the intention of it is like that each of us needs to be able to play in the place that fits. I think changing the angle on it is like boutiques are great and they don't have to be any bigger. Like, why do we have to go for world domination? You know, so those are the other questions that come into play for playing small with me. Yeah. Everybody doesn't have to be Amazon. No. It's fun to go to a boutique and have the owner say, oh yeah, I just went on a shopping trip and this is so great. And you have to come and see this. It's that personal, that small intimate connection as opposed to the world domination connection. Exactly. Awesome. I love that. We said the, what are the best places for our best parts? Mm. Paula, what do you have going on that you would like to share with our listeners today? Well, I always love helping people with podcasts. So if you want to take the five-day playing your podcast challenge. <laughs> do it, do it, do it. Do it. We recommend it. Highly do it. recommended. This part's approved. This part's approved. Yeah. And so there's a website that I'm growing. It's called Joy of Podcasting. And so that's kind of that angle of things. And I guess if you want to find out more about Joy, Jumpstart Your Joy, the podcast is a great place. I just wrapped season five and uh, season six, uh, I'll plug that, is all about finding joy in the messy middle, which is where we're at. it's a lot of what this conversation was even about and oh I'm so excited like I have a guy that the first guest is all about dying with ease Jeff Dr. Jeff Spies and I just love these conversations that are on the edge of like I mean we don't really want to talk about dying but how do we do that and and how do we live joyfully knowing that is that's where we're all headed I feel like I could do a whole podcast with you about that because (laughs) yeah lots of reasons anyway so where can we find you in the digital world 
Well, I am jumpstart your joy almost everywhere, except for where that handle is too long. And so Twitter or Pinterest, I think I'm jumpstart joy and my website's jumpstartyourjoy.com. All right. And hold on to your hats, everyone. Louise is up and it's time for the lightning round. (laughs) Dun, 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 dun. Is that how it goes? That's how it goes. (laughs) All right. Was that an evil laugh? I don't have an it evil was. laugh. It was. It was an evil <laughs> laugh. You're from Canada. That's not possible. <laughs> I don't care. It was an evil laugh, but go with it. <laughs> All right, Paula. I would love to know the best part of your day. Hmm. Snuggling with my kid. Oh, sweet. What is the best thing that Jumpstart Your Joy has brought to you? <sighs> you guys are going to make me cry. It's rebuilt the relationship with my sister. And there's a much longer story about that, but through the new kids on the block, we'll just put it that way. No, you <laughs> can't talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just dri- drop that. In, like you okay. actually have to speak to it. So the first, so the fast, <laughs> the nutshell version is back in the first season. I cold pitched Danny Wood of new kids on the block. And but he was coming out with a solo album that was supporting, I don't know, I'll plug his, um, his charity is called Remember Betty, which is his mom. And she died of breast cancer, I think in 1989, but a long time ago. And so he came on and my sister has been a New Kids fan forever. And I, I've i always kind of liked them, but then in high school was shamed over my love of them by a boy that I liked. So I let go of that. I've since reclaimed my love of New Kids on the Block. And it was really my sister's excitement over having Danny Wood. That And then Danny is amazing. He's the kindest guy. He has a very sharp sense of humor. And I really just loved having him on the show. So my sister and I then started going to, and we went to his show and we met him. And that was a lot of fun. And then she's like, do you want to go on the cruise? And so I have been on the New Kids on the Block cruise twice with my sister. We have kids that are very similar age and we kind of had drifted apart a little bit. And and so this was this thing that now we've been on vacation a couple of times together. Like we've really got this thing that, I mean, it's hilarious and we love to talk about. And like we've in Cleveland, we totally snuck in backstage and met uh, Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> like we love to do New Kids stuff. And so that's been a real joy that I would never have thought that's not a path that I would have ever thought would have happened. But like just rekindling something really lovely about a relationship with my sister has been really the, one of the biggest joys of it. Well, and I, I love that story, but part of me is also going, how did I not know there was a new kids on the block cruise? I need to call my friend <laughs> Stephanie and we need to go <laughs> as soon as we can. <laughs> It's amazing. Um, We can talk more, but there's a party every night on the Lido deck and they're out there and they sing and dance and you can go up on stage with them if they call you up and it's hilarious. All right. Um, I want to know, you touched a little bit on this, but uh, not a lot, but what is the best part of the messy metal? Oh gosh, it's the (laughs) wilderness. Oh my gosh. I could go on for hours about this one, but I really love the, so the messy middle is the self, the discovery of self in so many ways. It gets very biblical or you could go the home renovation route, whatever works for you. But like, it's that idea that you've, you've started in so far on a thing that you can no longer really see where you be, you began like that. You're that's out of you. I mean, if you're talking about like the tribes of Israel, they can't even see physically where they've come from and they're out in this place. That's awful. Kind of like if you were redoing your kitchen, you're like, why did we start this project? <laughs> But then the end is like, oh my gosh, we're literally in the promised land or we have a new kitchen and it's, but it's the middle. Like that's where you learn the stuff. And that's why I love the messy middle very much. I love that. 
Second episode uh, I, using kitchen renovation as a metaphor. I know, right? Well, and I love how the promised land and a new kitchen all in the same breath, right? <laughs> They're both so good. We know that we need a big island. Yes. Don't we, yeah. Sarah? That's been that identified. Is why, that is why we redo our kitchen is for the island. And the promised land that comes. I'm just kidding. I don't mean to be at all. It is like, the promised land. <laughs> not blasphemous i just i've studied the old testament a lot (laughs) i would like to know what the best thing on your nightstand is right now it's like this little mini fan and when it's too hot i just love to turn that on (laughs) you come with your own fans (laughs) (laughs) no wonder you had an evil laugh louise i know (laughs) And my last question, Paula, in the lightning round is I would love to know what's been the best part of letting go of the hustle. It's been admitting what I want and getting it or working towards it. Because I think for a long time, I had this idea that I, I don't know, I wanted something, but it was actually somebody else's dream. And that doesn't mean it's wrong. But what do I want? And like getting really clear on what I want and realizing that it is in fact smaller than what some of the big hustle stuff is. And then the amount of time I get to spend with my family is pretty amazing. I'm here in my house. I mean, when school's open, we could walk to school. My son and I, we can take the dog on a walk. The amount of time that I get with the family, it's really, really amazing. And so I'm really glad that I said yes to that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Letting go, finding what's important and just leaning into that. I love that. Amen. And it looks so different than what I would have ever thought. Like, <laughs> that I it couldn't have pictured it, but now right. that it's here, it's awesome. Awesome. That's it. Those are my five questions in the lightning round. I just want to give you a hug after that answer, Paula. Thank you so much for pulling up a chair and joining us today. It has been so much fun talking to you. And I already can't wait to have you back on. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, anytime I'd be glad to come back. It's been, it's been such a joy to be here with you all. Listeners, thank you for pulling up a chair and joining our conversation. We see you. We love you. And until next time, remember, all the parts are the best parts. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Best Parts Podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would love it if you would share this podcast on social media or with anyone you think would enjoy it. After all, sharing is caring. And be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts as it helps others find us. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at the Best Parts Podcast or visit our website at thebestpartspodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, remember that all the parts are the best parts.